welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, Senior Editor at Light Reading. And I'm Broderick Johnson, Executive Vice President for Public Policy and Executive Vice President for Digital Equity at Comcast. All right. Well, Broderick, thanks a lot for uh, joining me here. Thanks We're here for having in, me. Uh, Denver at the moment. We're going to yeah. talk about why why you're here in a little bit. Sure. But um, you know, before we kind of dig into some of the the work that Comcast yeah. has been doing in the area of uh, kind of bridging the so-called digital divide and supporting digital equity, um, yeah. maybe to start off, just you know, kind of get our bearings and, and get a brief description of you know your role and how it fits into projects that we've been following, like Internet Essentials, Project Up. You know, the FCC's AC program and, and yeah. so forth. Yeah, so I have two roles. The first role is a more traditional public policy role, helping our federal policy team work on a range of issues having to do with many things, including things related to digital equity and closing the digital divide. But I also have this very unique role as the executive vice president for digital equity. I joined Comcast almost a year ago to the day okay. in a new role. Uh, to bring together, better coordinate, um, try to create more, even more success around our successful efforts to bridge a di digital divide. Okay. So that's the role. All right. So you're covering a lot of lot of bases. A lot of bases, yeah. right? Everything right. from Internet Essentials that we've been doing for over ten years to mm -hmm. the new Project Up commitment of a billion dollars and things in between. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was this uh, notion of. Yeah quote unquote, like digital equity, mm -hmm. right? Where we're kind of hearing it a little bit of a hot topic these days with respect to rural broadband, you know, to, to unserved and, and uh, underserved areas. And, and we're kind of seeing it come up in the broadband mapping discussion, yeah. uh, some of those initiatives. So I, I think it's kind of an interesting, but uh, kind of vague term if, if somebody's coming in from left field on it. So, it says, yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? So we've had these disparities in who has access to broadband, who can afford broadband, who uses broadband. And this goes back, Jeff, really decades. When I was in the Clinton White House, we were talking about the digital divide. Back then, it was more about access, like where, where was wiring happening and not happening. Over the years, it's kind of morphed into a more complicated set of issues having to do with, okay, so where are investments being made? Uh, what kind of barriers are there to where deployment is happening? Even where there's deployment, who is actually using the internet, uh, and whose you know, lives are being affected by being online or not. We do know that there has been, um, over the course of these decades, though, really difficult disparities based on race and economic class, and also where people live. So the digital divide, digital equity challenges have been there for rural America as much as urban America over time, and in many ways more difficult in, in rural America because of challenges in deploying you know, fiber or other uh, connectivity tools to rural America. Right. And we're kind of been hearing it more um, like that term on a national level, you know, with, yeah. with, as we uh, have things like RDOF going on and the infrastructure bill yeah. and, and all that. Uh, now, from Comcast standpoint with digital equity, I mean, do you have a way to kind of, you know, look through that lens in your own footprint and, and kind of make uh, some determinations, you know, on, on where... You know, equity is lacking where others areas yeah. are not that way. Yeah, so we've been committed to digital equity, achieving digital equity, mm -hmm. 
you know, well over a decade, but especially when we started the Internet Essentials program back 10 years ago. And the Internet Essentials program is a low-cost offering, recognizing that there are low-income uh, communities, individuals, families who are not getting online because they couldn't afford it. So for $9.95 a month, and we've maintained that price over 10 years, we have, through Internet Essentials, gotten, over, gotten about 10 million people uh, to subscribe to the Internet. Again, recognizing that achieving digital equity is an important goal, a fairness goal, but also an economic goal, right, for people to be uh, able to have the skills and job training in an increasingly digital world, they needed to be able to be online. Uh, so that commitment's been there for a long time from the standpoint, and we've learned a lot of lessons. Okay. And uh, talk about lessons, so if you had to boil it down, I mean, what's, a, what's the biggest one you've learned? You well, one of the big lessons we've learned is that affordability is oftentimes been highlighted as a barrier to people being online. Right. And, you know, through Internet Essentials, again, nine ninety-five a month, and this is not to make small of people for whom $9.95 a month for Internet access is sort of a luxury. Right. But there are a lot of other people for whom $9.95 a month, in order to be able to be online, uh, it, it wasn't beyond you know, their, their resources, but they just weren't signing up. So we've learned uh, that the affordability issue is, uh, is, is perhaps... And we know now, especially not as challenging as the adoption issue, what is it that keeps people, even when the internet access is either almost free or now free for millions of people, what holds them back? What are those barriers? Okay. And so we've taken a very hard look at this and, and uh, used research, working with the Boston Consulting Group, and there's other research out there too, looking at the adoption barriers that have nothing to do with access or affordability. Right, and you, you did talk about Internet Essentials and kind of the yeah. progress that has been made over, you know, a decade, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, up front you talked a little bit about Project Up. Um, you want to talk a little yeah. bit about ACP, you know, and, and, and Comcast involvement there. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe get us up to speed on, on where you are on Project Up, a little more detail about that, and, and kind of the angle into ACP and what you're doing to support it. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, ever Comcast has ever been looking at ways to evolve our products to uh, to make even greater greater impact with our resources, not resting on our laurels and saying, "Oh, well, we had an essential for ten years, and look at how many people signed up. Isn't that great?" Um, Project right. Up is looking forward, and okay. it's it's a one billion dollar commitment to get tens of millions more people right that we can reach terms of connecting to the internet, but also in terms of small support for small businesses, that during the pandemic through something we call Comcast Rise, through the pandemic really struggled to be able to survive. So helping uh, companies through grants and other assistance survive, but also to thrive, right? I mean, for many small businesses, being connected to the internet opens up entirely new markets, right? So Comcast Rise is also part of that. We've also had uh, lift zones. Lift zones are community centers. We realized during the pandemic, especially, that being able to give people who didn't have home internet connection a place to go, a community center, a library, or something else, or someplace else, uh, would help them get internet uh, connectivity and, uh, and whether for education or other reasons. We've had, we have over a thousand of these lift zones across uh, the United States 
almost 100 in, in Colorado, for example. And we're in one at this very moment, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in one at this very moment, it's a place called the Youth Empowerment Center. What's wonderful from my vantage point, and I know I share this with a lot of my colleagues too at, at Comcast, but also the community, is that these are really safe places. This place we're in now, I mean, you, if you, you can feel that young people come in here and feel very safe. It's a yep. wonderful environment, but they can also connect to the internet, whether it's to do their homework, maybe even play games, but most importantly, to do the things they need to do to be able to achieve and to compete. Uh, with other uh, other kids, you know, who are in their school or in their communities. Right, and making and being able to connect easily is also part of that. Because I came in uh, and was told, yeah. you know, hey, here, you know, like just pull up the uh, the SSID, and uh, yeah, you don't have to put in a bunch of credentials and things like that. Yeah, to, make it easier. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, great. Well, since we are here at the the Youth Empowerment Center in Denver. Um, you're in town this week. Yeah, uh, we're here at the location. So, what was going on here this week that uh, that brought you here? So, met with a couple of local uh, elected officials, uh, state officials yesterday to talk yeah. about again. You know, Comcast has been mm -hmm. working with these officials and working on digital equity issues and getting people signed up to the internet. And and then today, um, you know, starting off with meeting with community uh, leaders. Uh, and people from state and local government here in Denver and in Colorado to talk about how we can better collaborate on addressing the uh, digital uh, adoption issue, getting people subscribed to the internet. Again, understanding what the barriers are. A lot of these community organizations have extensive um, relationships with folks in the community, of course, and they know their adoption barriers. So bringing all those folks together to talk about how we can all work together better to, you know, achieve adoption rates to close the divide even further through what we call digital navigators as one of the tools. Right. Well, that's one thing I wanted to talk about too, right? Because yeah. uh, you guys have passed along some information. There's like this this term, and I guess it's been out there for a while, you know, in terms of what a digital navigator is. But maybe walk us through what you know. Yeah. What qualifies as a digital navigator, and how does that kind of fit in to kind of, to help? You know, uh, people connect, especially those who don't have a lot of awareness or understanding of how to connect to the internet. And yeah, so yeah. So, <clears throat> digital navigators is a term that's uh, been there and and relates to work that organizations do. Some organizations call them digital ambassadors. Some organizations, some individuals don't even know that they're digital navigators. So now they're they're realizing actually there's a there's a term of art that applies to what they do. Mm -hmm. And that is a digital navigator basically is someone who is, can be a staff member or a volunteer with an organization that is committed to trying to sign people up for the internet or try to get people to get the devices that they need to be online or to get the digital skills training they need to be effective or to uh, help them troubleshoot problems they may be having with their internet, right? And so you've got different types of digital navigators. Very important and common theme, though, is that these are people who are trusted in the communities that they work in, so that when someone knocks on their door and says, you know, um, do you, are you signed up to the internet? Right. Person might say, no, well, do you know that you actually could get the internet for free through this ACP program under the federal government? Also, do you have a device? 
Um, do you know how to use the device? Do you need help with an email? It's a range of things that we all honestly kind of take for granted. Right. But for people who have not been um, been approached um, and who may just be distrustful of, say, government approaching them about getting online or business or whatever, mm -hmm. these community partners and individuals, these navigators, are critical to being able to get people to trust and uh, and to sign up and to start to become digitally literate. Right. And I, I guess I, I wouldn't ask you for like a specific number or anything, but just kind of from an anecdotal standpoint, I mean, are there are a lot of people out there who, who would qualify for something like ACP that are going to need that, a digital oh, navigator. Yeah. So yeah. ACP eligibility, yeah. um, it's uh, for uh, individuals and families who uh, whose income is up to 200% the poverty rate. In real numbers, <clears throat> that translates into for a family of four, an income of $55,000 a year. For an individual, $27,000 a year. There are nearly four, 50 million Americans who would qualify for ACP. 5-0. Right. Okay. For, um, a, uh, for at a $30 voucher, which by the way, they can use to get Internet Essentials or Internet Essentials Plus through Comcast. Um, or in people who live on uh, tr in tribal communities, they can get up to $75 per month and then use that to, to, um, to uh, get Internet access. Okay, great. And then um, uh, as far as getting digital navigators onboarded or, you know, <laughs> or trained, uh, you know, is, I understand it happens like through the community, but, you know, does Comcast have a, yeah. a role in uh, either attracting them, training them, et cetera? So we work yeah. with and have identified, you know, these kinds of organizations in different cities okay. uh, and are working to support them. But through this research, what we've also been able to do, and we will use this research extensively working with community partners, is help identify the characteristics of effective digital navigator organizations. Like what are the things that might separate an effective one from one that is kind of going through the motions, doing the yeah. best they can, but not understanding whether or not what they're doing is, is having an impact. So we've been able through this research with the Boston Consulting Group to really pinpoint what are the things that make these make a digital navigator or a digital navigator organization more effective uh, than other organizations. Again, it's things like one-on-one -on -one training, it's being very clear about what it is that your organization or your navigator is actually trying to get people to do, maybe providing wraparound services, a whole range of things. The important thing, though, is understanding, again, what works, right? right? Because a lot of resources and a lot of attention, as you mentioned, are focused now on digital navigators and broadband adoption. Money in and of itself isn't going to solve these issues. Right. So it sounds like uh, change and refinement and evolution, you know, kind of kind of fits into this. It's not like you just figure it out, throw it over the wall, and you know, kind of forget about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We know yeah. we know that that for, that's just not a, like an effective use of either government money or private resources, or addressing the needs that people have. You know, don't pe give people false hope that you're going to come and help uh, address their needs, and you're not testing whether or not what you do makes a difference. Okay, great. I think that's where we're gonna leave it today. So, great. Broderick, thanks Thank a lot you. for your time today. Yeah. I'm glad we had an opportunity to yeah. connect with you while you're here in town. Appreciate the time. It's great to be here in Denver. Right. I love it here. 
Great. Well, hope to have you back and uh, right. stay, you know, we'll stay in touch with you. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.